Hello, homemakers. Welcome back to another episode of the Happy as a Homemaker podcast. I am Chandler, your host. I have been absent for a couple of weeks. I took off some time for the holidays and I just really needed some time to regroup. I'm sure most of you understand, Um, but it feels really good to be back. I really enjoy recording. I like to talk and I like to talk to you all about things because um, I don't have a lot of people in my real life that feel the same way. Not that you all feel the exact same way as I do about everything, but generally speaking. And so it's just really nice to connect with a lot of you. And um, okay, so today's a very special episode. It's probably going to be pretty long. So um, it's all about my testimony. It's going to be a little bit, oh, by the way, my son wouldn't nap. And I really wanted to record this. So hopefully I've never gotten any messages about him being distracting to you all. So either you're really kind and you just choose not to say anything or he just doesn't bother you. So anyway, I know my sound isn't the best and I'm really happy that you all listen to me anyways. One one day I'll get like a microphone and all the things, um, but that day is not today. <laughs> And I just really wanted to record this. Um, Okay, so one announcement before we get started. I have decided to start doing a monthly book giveaway. Okay, I'm super excited about it. I have been making a few dollars on my Patreon, and I decided to just go ahead and invest it back into you all. And so what I'm going to do is every month, I haven't quite decided what, like which podcast episode. It'll be either the first or the last of the month. Um, and it's not going to be this month because what I'm going to do is, um, randomly pick a review, a five-star review on Apple. Um, so basically what I am asking you all to do is to go over there and leave a review to enter yourself into the book giveaway. And it's going to be, it'll be a book that has, It might be homemaking related. It might be um, Christian related or um, just like a book that has really impacted me. Um, And I will, um, I'll come up with like the rules and all of that. I don't know. There's not really any rules. Just leave a five-star review on Apple. And um, I don't know. I guess I need to figure out how to like contact you. I think like the fall, I don't know. I'll figure all that out later. But basically this month, if you can, because there's only like nine reviews on my podcast right now on there. So I'd kind of like to get um, a handful more reviews just to, I don't know, make it a little bit more interesting. And it's a small show. There's not a lot of podcasts so or not a lot of um, listeners and reviews. So you have a really good chance of winning and it's totally free. I'll ship, I'll pay for shipping and all of that. Um, so yeah, anyway book giveaway coming to you next month at some point. So stay tuned for that. Go leave a review. Anyway, and and if you're wondering, are you, Chandler, are you bribing us um, to leave reviews? Why, yes, that's that's the point of the whole thing. So um, yeah, it would be doing me a solid. I would love to share some books that have just seriously changed my, my life, really helped me in this journey. Um, okay, so let's get into... Today's show, which is all about me, which as you all know, I really don't want this show to be about, but I this has just been on my heart for a long time. And I want my children to listen to this one day. So I kind of wanted to put this show 
this episode together for them as well. Um, and just for myself and for any of you who are interested, kind of like wondering what the context of of my life is in terms of homemaking and where I'm coming from. And, you know, maybe some of you come from completely different background, or maybe you have a very similar story to mine. And it's nothing profound. I mean, it is profound because God um, is the center of it all, but it's not like this jaw dropping story. It's, you know, it's my story. And um, I've been putting it off for a long time for the reason that. I'm always telling you all not to fall victim to, and that is perfectionism. Um, what actually helped me is something I read in a parenting book recently, and it was talking about how you cannot save your children. We can only share the word with them. We can train them. We can do, we can do all of those things. But ultimately, God is going to be the one that touches their hearts. And that is my prayer with today's podcast and with every podcast that I share with you all um, is that the Lord uses little me and my little story and my very imperfect way of sharing it to reveal himself to whomever it's his will to. And I always, that's always my prayer is God. I want to be a light. I just want to be a light unto you. I don't want to shine. I don't want to shine to be worshiped. I want, I want you to be the center of my life and my story and I'm not the hero of my story. God is. And like I said, this isn't some jaw-dropping story. Um, God used ordinary people in my very ordinary life to reveal himself to me. And I'm so humbled and eternally grateful. So today's podcast is just going to be my testimony, how I came to truly know the Lord in my early 20s, and how it completely changed my life. And I will touch on biblical femininity because that is a very big part of it all. But if you want to know more about that side of the story, go check out um, the Homemaker Glow Up community. Um, sometime this week, I'm going to be posting a lot more details about that story specifically and a lot of the specifics about like my marriage and, and um, just all aspects of biblical femininity and um, feminism and how I learned that that has infiltrated my life and how I really got rid of those beliefs and all of those things. It's just um, quite personal. And I just don't really want to share that with like the entire world, you know? So, um, and on that note, there are going to be some parts that are intentionally kept vague in this story out of respect for different people in the story. And I hope you understand that. And I don't think it's going to take away from the big picture. So just keep that in mind. If, if there's a part that's a little bit vague seeming, that's probably intentional. So, okay, I'm going to start with, um, <laughs> so sorry for all the noise, but what do you do? Okay. I'm going to start with my childhood and my youth. Just touch on that. So I was raised, um, a Presbyterian Christian and I always loved God, but I never like knew him, you know, um, to love God. What I've learned now is to know him and to know his word. And I just didn't, we went to church every Sunday. I was, um, Presbyterians do a confirmation. You're baptized when you are an infant and then you're confirmed in, I, I guess when you're a like preteen or teenager, kind of whenever 
your parents decide like, okay, you're old enough to, or maybe you come to them and say like, I'm ready. Like whenever you're truly ready to um, accept Jesus into your heart as like an adult kind of thing. Um, so I was in eighth grade, I, I think seventh or eighth grade, and you learn about Jesus and salvation and the gospel, and you accept Jesus into your heart as like a coherent person who can think for themselves, and you have a mentor, and I did all of that, and um, as a, you know, I had a really wonderful childhood. My parents are amazing. They love the Lord. Um, we didn't really discuss scripture necessarily in our family but i do remember praying a lot like we prayed before dinner we prayed before bed um prayer was just like a really pretty big part of my childhood and i have a lot of sweet memories of praying with my family or my parents praying with me before i went to bed and um we loved god we did and um i guess like i kind of grew up in this bubble like everyone that i knew um believed in god i went to public school but it was like very um i i'm from the south and everyone there believed in god is you know up until like high school i met my first atheist you know and um it was just kind of like either you believed it or you didn't i didn't really understand the need for scripture for theology apologetics any of that I couldn't really believe that there were atheists out there. It just like blew my mind because like I said, I lived in this bubble where everyone believed in God. And um, starting in middle school, I just started having a really hard time in life. Uh, I started struggling with depression and I had a really hard time finding and keeping friends. We stopped going to church when I was about 15 um, we got a new pastor and we just kind of stopped going. My parents were really, really close to the other pastor. We had been going to that church since I was born and that pastor ended up marrying my husband and I. And, um, anyway, he, I think retired. And so someone else took over anyway. Um, we just stopped going. And, um, I also was busy with like sports and I worked and, you know, my parents weren't going to force me to go. And my grandpa died around this time. And that is like, okay, sorry for the interruption. I went and put the baby down and then I went and had a snack and I am ready to continue. So I was talking about my grandpa dying when I was about 15. And that was really hard on my family for a lot of different reasons. Um, it just kind of added to a really difficult time that I was already having. He was and still, praise God, is to this day the only, like, really important person in my life that I've lost. And um, it was just, it was like the first time I really experienced death on like such an intimate level because my grandpa was a really big part of our life. And so I'm calling these next five to seven years of my life um, the lost years. Because whenever I think about this time in my life, a really long time, um, a really long time went by. And um, I go back to, I know this is cheesy, but the song Amazing Grace, it speaks to me so much. And I know it's cliche. Um, but I once was so lost. I felt so, so lost in life. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know the point of life. 
I felt so aimless. Um, I had just debilitating depression and anxiety. I just, I believed in God and I would beg him to help me, but I wouldn't open my Bible. Um, I kind of had, I, I did have the belief that the Bible was outdated and that it was kind of a historical text. You know, I didn't think, I didn't think that it could help me, um, which obviously now makes me cringe because I know that God is timeless and so is his word and he's alive today and his, his word is, is living, right? He, he breathed life into the words. And um, the beautiful thing in this whole story is looking at it through the review now and seeing God's hand in it all. And he was there the whole time. And it's kind of why not to like get into this whole debate um, or anything, but it's kind of why I do believe in like Calvinism and predestination, because even when I fully rejected him, which you'll hear about later in the story, he was still there and working in my life and he never let me go. You know, he just, he just held on to me. And even, even when I, and that, and it just blows my mind. I'm like, why, you know, why God, why me? Um, so moving on to high school, um, I had a friend who I played lacrosse with and she was and still is a very, very strong Christian. And, um, she still is kind of a part of my life. We talk like every probably six months or so. And, um, but I just remember being in high school and even though I was going through such a hard time, just the hardest of hard times. Um, and I, I didn't really, I, I did believe in God, but we would just talk about God and the Bible for hours and she would teach me things that I, I never knew. And I think she really helped me hang on to my faith during such a rocky time. And also my grandma was a huge impact on my faith as well. She is such a strong believer in, in God and um, has such a like childlike faith in the Lord that I really used to kind of scoff at, and now I really admire it. <laughs> Isn't it funny how life works like that? Um, yeah, so we've always been really close, and she really just held me and carried me during that time, and um, she would always point me to God and Jesus every chance she would get. And uh, still, I just ultimately felt so lost, and I never really got into trouble by worldly standards, but I spent a lot of time doing things that weren't me. Like, not that trouble is, you know, anyone's personality, but it's just, if you knew me, like, up until sixth, seventh grade, like, I just wasn't like that. And I never really had an interest in trouble, you know, or doing bad things. And I just... I did. I started hanging out with like not a great group of people and I just started doing things that is just they just weren't good and and they made me feel guilty. I felt really guilty while I was doing it, but I just did it anyway. And I 
kind of started having this really like rebellious, typical teenage angsty, like depressed kind of situation. Um, junior year was the first time my grades really suffered. I remember having C's for the first time and just feeling really careless. Like I had always been a really good student and I just didn't care. I did not, for the first time in my life, I didn't have that like guilt about my grades, turning in stuff. I did not care. I felt hopeless. Um, I ate in the bathroom because I didn't have anyone to sit with at lunch. I had a really, I had really horrible acne and I was made fun of. I played on the lacrosse team and I was really, really bad at lacrosse and I laugh about it now and I'm like, why did I keep playing? Like I was so bad, you know, but I don't, I don't know. Like I just, I liked being a part of a team, but at the same time, like I was miserable. I'd go to practice and girls were mean to me because I was so bad. And then I would at the games, you know, I would play like, and they'd put me in for like a minute and then I would mess something up and they'd take me out. And like, it's so funny now, but at the time it was just like horrible, you know? Um, I was also really struggling with disordered eating. That is like a whole story in itself, but that is like a huge, that was a really, really big part of my life was my weight, my body, and I know that's why I say like, this is such an ordinary story. Cause I feel like this is every girl's story, you know, but it, you know, I mean, I've just got to share it. Um, and yeah, it was mostly in the form of binge eating disorder from like cereal dieting, like not eating cereal, like going on all the diets, <laughs> right. Um, starving myself, binging, starving myself, over-exercising, binging, all of that. Um, so my senior year, well, my junior year is when like my grades started suffering. And then I remember I found out about this charter school where you could graduate early. And I begged my mom, I said, mom, like, I've just got to get out of high school, you know, like, please, um, can I go to the school and just graduate early? Like, I've just got to get out of here. I need to go to college. And of course she said, yes, she, she wanted to help. She wanted me to be happy and she could see like that I you know, I've always kind of been like more mature um, than my peers. And she was like, yes, like, I think you need to get out of there too. And I seriously just hated high school. Like I talk to people now that like my husband and other friends that I have that just like enjoyed high school. And I'm like, wow, like you had such a different experience than me. And I went to a good school. Like, you know, it's just, it's just interesting how people are different. Um, but anyway, um, okay, so sometime in my senior year when I'm going to this charter school and I'm working um, at a sandwich shop, I was like kind of managing it-ish, and I met my boyfriend at the time, not my current husband, and he was an atheist or agnostic. I don't really remember what he subscribed to. But um, I do remember having a few conversations with him about Christianity and if that's any testament to like how not following Jesus I was, like I was dating an atheist, you know, we barely talked about Christianity. Um, but yeah, we, I just remember a specific conversation. We were talking about Bible stories like Noah's Ark and parting the sea, all of those stories, 
that you hear as a child, you know. And I remember him saying, oh, well, they're, they're just stories that give morality lessons, but they didn't really happen. And I remember him asking me if I believed in them. And I said, yeah, I, I do. You know, I believe in the Bible. And he said, well, how do you know? Like, how do you know that the Bible is true? It's just a, it's just a historical text. Like Jesus was a man. He was a, he was actually a man. Like there's proof of that, you know, he was just an influential man and he just wanted, you know, peace and, and blah, 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 you know? And I remember being like, kind of, I, I didn't know. Like, I didn't know how to respond. I realized how little I knew about this religion that I claimed to be a part of. And I was too ignorant, careless, and blind to go down that rabbit hole of finding out for myself. Um, and I just really felt my faith starting to unravel at that point. And I felt like, you know, that this belief that I have, it's built on sand. Like, I don't, I, you're right. Like, I don't know anything. How do, how do we know the Bible is true? Like, how do, I don't have any proof, you know, all of the things. Um, so, okay. I lost my place. Okay. The whole time that I was dating him, uh, it was about a year, which I had never really been in a serious relationship before. Like I just wasn't. And, um, but, but that whole time. And so like, that's a lot of the reason why I dated him is because I just, he, I finally had this guy who like was giving me attention and wanted to call me his girlfriend. And that was huge to me. And I just, but, and so I was like, yeah, like, you know, but the whole time I just felt so off, like, Deep down in my heart, or whatever you want to call it, I knew this was wrong. I felt guilty. I felt like I knew he was not someone I should be dating. And this is why, like, I go back to the whole, like, Calvinism thing. Like, I feel like that was, like, the Holy Spirit, you know, in me. And I just desperately wanted a boyfriend I never really had one before. I liked having friends. Like all of his friends were now my friends. Um, we had, we, I had things to do. I liked saying, you know, oh, I have a boyfriend, you know, cause I'd never been able to say that before. And moving on, there have been a few times in my life where I really just felt like God seriously intervened in my life. And the first one was breaking up with this boyfriend. Um, so we lived on opposite sides of town, about 30 minutes apart. And I decided I would move in with him. I was living in like a rental house with a couple of other girls. And um, he was living in an apartment with his guy friends. And I just remember deciding to move in with him. And I remember packing up my little car and driving to his apartment, which was about 30 minutes away. And I passed, so my parents also lived in the same town. Uh, um, they lived like kind of smack in the middle of like between, like there's my house, my parents about 15 minutes away, and then boyfriend is like 15 minutes further. So I passed 
where I approached my parents' exit on the way to his apartment. And I don't know why. I don't know what was going through my brain. And this is why it's particularly interesting in this story is because dropping by my parents' house wasn't something that I was doing at that time in my life. Like they, you know, we loved each other and everything was okay, but they really didn't support the relationship that I was in for obvious reasons. Um, they didn't really like what I was doing in my life. I don't think that I mentioned I, oh yeah, I was, I was going to mention this later, but I actually like, I was, I went to school in Savannah. I got into like a good college and was in school for a summer in Savannah and I had planned to go that fall and I ended up moving home so I could be with this boyfriend. So like for obvious reasons, my parents didn't like this guy and there was just some tension there. And so like dropping by their house was not something that I would normally do. And for whatever reason, I'm driving with my car packed up to go to move in with him. And I just veer off onto the the exit to my parents' house. And it's like, I just can't even explain it. Like I just drove to their house and I pulled up and, um, yeah, I had I pulled up with my car all packed up and I was fully intending on going to my boyfriend's, but I just didn't. I pulled up at my parents' house and I walked inside and my mom was in her room doing some laundry and I just went into her room and I just started crying and I told her I wanted to break up with him and I wanted to move home and she just said okay and you know she loved she said she loved me and she was sorry for all of that and I told her I was sorry and she hugged me and um I moved home and obviously broke up with that guy praise god thank you thank you thank you father um and I pretty much immediately decided I would save up money I was working at a donut shop and I would save up my money and move where I live now, which is about two hours from my parents' town. And I just kind of felt a pull there. It's just kind of one of those things. I don't I don't know if that was God or, or what. <laughs> like, I have no clue. But I just felt a pull to move where I live now. And um, yeah, so anyway, I moved here. And once the excitement of moving to a new town, which was really fun and exciting, um, once that kind of wore off, depression came back and things were really bad again. Things were even worse because I didn't know anyone and I wasn't going to school yet. I decided to go to, to, go to school, but I wasn't in school yet because I moved here in the summer and um, I'm, I just started having a really hard time again and then some time went on and I moved into a different apartment in the same town and um, I got a job at a nearby restaurant and I made friends with a group of the girls that worked there and for the first time in my life I had a group of girlfriends and it was so fun like I had never had that like college experience you know Um, and so this was really fun. Not that I think it's like necessary by any means, you know, I honestly looking back, I'm like, I wish I hadn't gone to college at all. (laughs) Cause like, you know, I'm a homemaker, but, um, 
yeah, so I, I had these group of girlfriends and they threw me a 21st birthday party and we would hang out all the time and I ended up moving in with one of the girls and I met my husband through them and it was just a really refreshing time in my life. Like I just really focused on being happy and having fun, which I'm not recommending. Like I know that's not what life is about, obviously, but um, after just years of loneliness and depression and just sadness, it was just really nice to have friends and to have fun and to laugh and to smile. And, um, yeah, I met my husband, you know, I always heard like my parents say, and other people say, well, you meet your person when you stop looking for them. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, I, Decide, I've been like super boy crazy trying to find, you know, I really wanted a boyfriend like really badly and I would go on these dates, you know, these Tinder dates or whatever and it was just like not good, you know, like the dating scene was not good and I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to not worry about that. I'm just going to focus on myself, you know, focus on my school, hang out with my friends, um, you know, and on one day I'll tell the story about like my dieting and all of that. I also had decided to quit trying to lose weight and I just relaxed into myself. I was like, I'm just going to work with what I've got, you know? And, um, yeah, I met my husband when I was 21, when I was not looking and we got married, um, when I was 23. And so that's actually another really interesting part of the story. So my husband and I started dating really seriously, really quickly. Like we went from like zero to a hundred, you know, we were like, okay, you're my person. Like it was very quick. And I got a lot of pushback for being too young. Um, which now I know that it, that's just so silly, you know, um, you grow together, you know, I mean, some people, it's a part of their story to get married later, but a lot of us are, we're taught to like put marriage off and like live your life first before you get married. And now looking back, I'm like, that's so silly. Like my life has been such an amazing adventure since I got married. Like I've done things that I never would have done. I've got, you know, gone places I never would have gone. I have these children, like my life is so fun. And if I had just put it off, for no reason other than to live my life. Like I'm still living my life, even though I'm married and it's actually better, you know, but anyway, I got a lot of pushback for being too young and, and too, they were like, wow, you know, you're really, you guys are really serious. Like he's really serious about you. Like you guys need to like calm down. And then, um, you know, I was like, well, whatever. I love him. <laughs> you know, he loves me. And, um, you know, and I think I had that point of reference, like my mom and my dad were the same way. They got married pretty young. They got engaged pretty young. Like they met each other and pretty much knew right away that they wanted to get married. And it's just kind of like, you know, we live in this culture of like dating for five years before you even think about getting engaged. And it's just like, well, if you know you want to get married, then what the heck are you waiting on? You know, like go, go on, get married, you know? So anyway, we got engaged and I was working at a fine dining restaurant downtown, which I've talked about a lot on this podcast. Um, it's just, 
it, it represents like a really interesting time in my life. And, um, yeah, I was 22 when I got engaged and I was really shocked that most people were not happy for me. Um, some were like, you know, the people that like my manager who I still love and like we're friends today, she was so excited for me. And like some other people were like, oh, wow, that's so exciting. You know, but like, um, I remember having this one guy, he was like, why are you getting married? And another girl was like, what's the rush? You know, and I was just so confused and upset. And I just kind of figured like, well, they're just jealous or, you know, and maybe some were right. Who knows? Um, but I didn't understand. I was very naive that a lot of it was because of the drastically different worldviews we had. You see, okay, so this is interesting. So most of the time, if you are thrown into an environment of people who are drastically different than you, you the, it's generally understood like you're going to become more like them, right? So what's really cool about this time in my life is God used the university I was going to and the people that I worked with to really wake me up. Um, yeah, I, I, I started working downtown. I started going to like an actual university and it was all very secular, very anti-God, very... Um, like anti-traditional values, very liberal. And this is all around like 2017, 2018. So I'm like 23. And this is when the political climate is just really hot with the Trump presidency and the riots and the Black Lives Matter and like all the things. And so I think what happened for me and a lot of people is I kind of started digging into this stuff. And I stumbled upon, I've always been a really big YouTube video watcher. Like I just, I've always watched different YouTubers and you'd think that I would have a YouTube channel, but I just really hate like the whole editing process and filming myself and stuff. So, um, as opposed to like a podcast that I don't edit. <laughs> so, okay. So I stumbled upon a, and a lot of this stuff is not chronological. Like a lot of this these next couple events I'm going to say like all were happening at the same time. So I stumbled upon a Steven Crowder video and I'm sure you've heard of his change my mind segments. And it was a pro-life one and he didn't talk about God at all. Like he, that was not, that's typically not, even though he is a Christian, a very strong Christian, that's typically not his, um, angle is God. Um, and he was just using like sheer logic, which is funny, like if you really think about it, because like I re recently realized like, oh, wait, God created logic, <laughs> you know. But anyway, he he used like the Socratic method. Um, he asked people like, where does life begin? He showed them the infancy chart of like of conception to birth. Like, OK, well, when is it OK to have an abortion? You know, all of these things. And it really just like blew my mind. Um, like I, you know, growing up, my mom always told us like, yes, it's there. It's absolutely a baby. Like if you've ever seen a sonogram, like, yes, it's a baby. Of course, abortion's wrong. Um, you know, we, we knew like we, I knew, but I didn't know. I didn't know 
that there were so many people out there that didn't know that. I didn't realize that that there were people not only getting abortions, but um, like shouting your abortions and saying like, this is a right and like, this is good. You know, I just didn't realize. And I also didn't know what an abortion was. Like um, I dove, I started diving into Ali Beth Stuckey's work and how she literally says like, oh, did you know that they're breaking a, a baby's neck in the womb and um, you know, all these things like people don't know what an abortion actually is. And I actually took, this is so crazy too. I took a philosophy class, um, which is like so funny because <laughs> I just think about all the dumb classes I took in college and I'm like, what a waste of time and money. Like, I, I'm sorry. It just, the, the system is so funny, but, um, this one thing and it, you know, God is redemptive in all of it. Um, he actually, I don't think he was a Christian. I really don't. Um, and I think that most like, okay, there's this Instagram account called secular pro-life, which is like fascinating. And I feel like if you truly are logical, so he used logic to prove that abortion is killing a person because he logically defined personhood. And my mind was just blown. I was like, wow, like that's so fascinating. And then also, um, yeah. So like all these things are happening and happening at once. I'm like developing my worldview. I'm learning about like politics and religion in the world. Um, and okay. So enter my husband started working with a man who is also a Baptist pastor. And I just remember my husband mentioning that and he, he, you know, I asked him like, Oh, like that's, interesting. Like my husband's an electrician. So this guy, he was a, a pastor, a preacher at a Baptist church and also works as an electrician. And Hunter just like mentioned it to me and we were talking one day about it. And he said, yeah, he, he's a really nice guy. Like, you know, he's not judgy or whatever. And he actually asked me one day, he said, do you feel comfortable with what would happen when you die? Like, do you feel ready if it were to happen tomorrow or, or today or in the next five minutes? Like, do you, are you comfortable with where your soul would go? And that like he, okay. So like, I've never even met this man. And that's why I really think these little like mundane, not mundane, but like just small, like ordinary people, like you can have such an impact. You don't, you don't know like I've been meaning to tell Hunter to tell this man because he had such a pivotal moment for me. Um, it, it made me really uncomfortable because at the time I wasn't outwardly saying that I was a Christian. I didn't even know if I believed in God. I think at the time I was even saying like that I was agnostic or spiritual, which is so gross, like spiritual. What does that even mean? You know? Um, but at the time, that's what I was saying. I was going along with the world. I was, oh yeah, I'm spiritual. I believe in, I believe in the universe, you know, the universe want, and uh, it's just so silly. But anyway, that's what I believed. But I remember him, Hunter telling me that, that he asked him that. And I remember thinking that myself, I'm like, it, and it kind of gave me a sense of urgency about finding out what I believed. 
and I went through a bit of a crisis phase where I didn't know the point of life or my life or what happens when you die. And I remember asking people at work, what is the point of it all? Like I was pretty close to some of these people. And I remember just being like, what's the point? What's the point of life? You know, I'm going through like this crisis. And a lot of them were just like, oh, it's just like, just be happy. You know, just enjoy life. Um, and I, I joke with my husband all the time that I never really outgrew the toddler why phase. You know, when they ask, my daughter's in that phase right now. Kind of. She, right now. Sorry, I got cut off and I'm not entirely sure where I got cut off, but um, I was talking about how I owned Lee Strobel's book, The Case for Christ. And so I had never read it before. It's just one of those books that like somehow made it with me through all of my moves and it would just sit on my bookshelf. And I decided, okay, I'm going to actually read that book. And I also read, um, let me see, it's called More Than a Carpenter. Josh McDowell. So I read that one too. And um, okay, so like I read both those books and nothing, nothing like profound happened. But I think at that point I was like, okay, yes, I do believe there's evidence. There's, you know, there's 500 witnesses, you know, that those books are really good. Um, and they really they gave me, they gave me faith and it really was the faith of a mustard seed. Like it, it literally was, I had faith, I had faith, but it was so small and the Lord is so gracious <laughs> and he multiplied that so much over time because the faith that I have now is like, unbelievable compared to what it was at that time in my life. Um, anyway, and uh, so I'm driving home one night from work and, and this is a really kind of the moment where everything changed. So I'm driving home one night and I just remember saying to God, I just, I was so confused. I was just, I didn't know, like, you know, I, I knew I believed in Jesus and I knew he was my savior. And, but then I was just like struggling with life. And I just said, God, will you please take my life and do your will with it? I said, Lord, I don't want to live life for myself anymore. I've been doing that and it's horrible. Lord, I want your will for my life. And I just remember so vividly driving home. And, and I remember exactly where I was, um, the street I was on. I remember it so well. And I just told God I wanted his will for my life. I didn't want to live for myself anymore. And I started praying constantly for humility and wisdom. I started praying that I wanted to want to read my Bible. I, because I remember feeling like I should, but I just didn't want to you know, and I remember praying to God, God, I want to want to read my Bible, but I just don't. And, um, he gave it to me. He gave me humility. He gave me wisdom. Obviously I'm still growing in both those areas. Um, and obviously I'm not perfect with reading my Bible, but I do 
genuinely love his word and I love to learn about him. Um, because like I said before, to to truly love God is to know him. And to know him is to know his word. Um, okay, so going back to the Amazing Grace song, um, and I'm sorry I got cut off earlier. Um, I had to end the uh, yesterday, and so I'm continuing on. It's the next day. <laughs> That's just how these long episodes go. Um, they're just, it's really hard for me to have a long stretch of time where I'm not interrupted. <laughs> so, okay. Um, going back to the song Amazing Grace and how it says saved a wretch. And I remember being younger and wondering what that meant. I never understood that verse until I was truly humbled during this time under the Lord. Um, I used to think like a wretch, what do you mean? I'm I'm, you know, I grew up during, during the, like, you're special, you're unique, you're awesome, you're great, you're perfect the way you are, like, God made you um, with, you know, kind of as an excuse for sins, like, oh, well, God made me that way, like, I'm just, I'm just like that, right, and now I realize over time. And during that time, I recognized my need for a savior. I recognized that, no, I am a wretch. I'm a sinner. I've been a fool. Um, I've, I've done so many things. I've, I've, um, I've said that like, I don't believe in the Lord. Right. And the Lord redeemed it all. And he never, he never let me go. And I truly am transformed. I truly am a new creation. Um, I do still struggle with sin, of course, but my heart genuinely wants to please the Lord now. Um, I have so much gratitude to God, right? So I remember hearing that word because I think that something that like Ali Beth Stuckey talks about on her podcast and other people talk about is like we're always, no matter what, you're always worshiping something like we were created to worship. And so I think when you've decided you don't believe in God and you're not going to worship God, like you're still searching to worship something. And I, I see that in my life looking back, like whether it was worshiping this like, um, like idea of being thin and like my body or um, worshiping other influencers or um, my diet, right, used to be like my religion, right? Um, and like, I remember hearing that like, oh, like, you know, spiritual people saying, like, you just really need to be um, full of gratitude, like have a gratitude journal. And that is so confusing. When you don't believe in God, who are you grateful for? Like, you're just grateful that for whatever reason, um, for, for no reason whatsoever, you are more lucky than, you know, somebody else. Like there's no actual reason because it's all, this all is an accident or whatever. Right. Like, and I just remember like, I'm very, uh, why I have to know the why, right. That's like a part of my personality. I like, I like to know 
the why. And I just remember being like, I'm not grateful. You know, um, I, I wanted to be, but I just wasn't. I was very resentful and I felt very victimized by my circumstances. And now I see that the way of the Christian is, is knowing that the Lord didn't have to do anything that he's done for you. You don't deserve any of it. So any good thing that has happened to you in your life is from God. Every good gift is from God, right? Um, that's in James. And so I am actually so incredibly grateful because now I know I don't deserve any of this. Um, the Lord has given me way more, right, than I could ever dream of deserving. Um, you know, I, I deserve death, actually. And, and Jesus died for me, right? And so I just feel so grateful. And I think that that has been huge too in um, learning about like the legalistic Christianity. Like, okay, it's not that if you're a Christian, you have to do all of these things and it's just stressful because you're, you just can't do anything like you know, like the way that it's portrayed in the media, right? Or maybe, you know, a lot of people, unfortunately, I did not, but a lot of people grew up in a house like that where, you know, there were just all of these rules and um, it was just really strict and stressful. And um, not that I think like strict, being strict is bad necessarily, um, but though it's an outpouring. It's a it's a joy. Like I delight in pleasing the Lord and I just genuinely want to, right? Like if you truly recognize what Jesus did for you, then you want to follow in his ways because you know that he, that he, first of all, he knows what's best. And then second of all, you just, you just want to please him because you're just so grateful. Like you're just like, Oh, Father, thank you so much. Why did you why did you give me such an amazing life? I I owe my life to you. you. You know, you become a humble, happy servant of the Lord. And and that has been the biggest change is my heart is just so changed. I don't have this like rebellious heart anymore. And I promise you that can only come from the Lord. And um so that is kind of the end of, you know, that, I mean, pretty much, okay, so after I was driving home and confessed to the Lord, like, please just, I want your will for my life. So that is really where I, I just ultimately just turned my life over to him and, and just, it, it was a slow process, you know, but like one thing after another kept like started happening. So it wasn't very long after this that I stumbled upon, I don't quite remember how, but um, I stumbled upon biblical femininity. I think it was like a YouTube thing where maybe I saw a, um, a Lori Alexander YouTube video. I found out um, Mrs. Midwest, she was really um, kind of like, 
she she just really influenced me at that time. Um, April Cassidy from The Peaceful Wife, um, the Fascinating Womanhood books, like those were all kind of the first like influential parts of me learning about biblical femininity and um, me reading about like Titus 2 and like in Timothy um, about women being silent in church and like submitting to your husband and all these things. Um, and I was just really like red pilled. It's like, wow, I've been a Christian, you know, I was raised in the church. Like, why didn't anyone talk about these specific, these scriptures that are so specific to women, right? It, it just blows your mind, you know, and, and realizing Okay, so I at this time I was like 23, 24, pursuing a teaching degree and working at a restaurant. I was married to my husband and um yeah, I was like reading about all of these women who were just happy, quote unquote, just being a mom and I was so busy. Like I was just so busy. I was hustling, I was trying to get done with school. Um and I was working, you know, my husband and I, like we split the bills, we, we bought our first house and I was just having a really hard time. Like we, we were both having a hard time with the housework and like the cooking and stuff. Um, we would argue about that, you know, um, he, my husband was happy to help, but he just didn't have the same like intuition about it that I did. Like he just wouldn't, it, it wouldn't just like occur to him that the bathroom needed to be clean. You know, he'd be like, what do you mean? It looks fine. And we, we just, we had what I think a lot of couples have nowadays is like, if you both work, who's doing the housework? Cause that's a whole job in itself. Obviously, like if you can afford a house cleaner, that's great. But like we couldn't. And, um, you know, and then the cooking and all the things, the laundry. And, and it was like, okay, like, I know that I'm the woman, but like, I work just as much as you do. So, you know, um, and that was really a huge problem. And I also like, really, oh my gosh, I hope you can't hear my stomach. It's growling. I'm quite hungry. <laughs> um, so I also started, so like, I always knew that I wanted children, but it just, it wasn't like something that was on the forefront of my mind because I was so like, I got to get my degree. I got to get established first. Um, and then we'll talk about, you know, having kids. And it just wasn't like really on the forefront of my mind. But I started realizing, okay, I'm 24. I was in school to teach. I had changed my degree like multiple times. And so, um, I was, I still had several years of school left. Like I was going to be 27 before I was like officially teaching. And that really kind of freaked me out because I was like, oh, like I'm going to be 27. So then like, I'm going to teach for, you know, a year before I really want to get pregnant. And then I'm going to get pregnant. I'm going to be 28 before I have my first kid, which I hope none of you think, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but I just, I wanted, I knew that I wanted a couple of kids, you know, and I was like, and I also really kind of wanted to be a young mom and, you know, not that 
I'm 28 now, but not that 28 is old, but if I had just been starting my family now, like I'm going to be in my 30s having kids, which, you know, I still might be, but it just, it, I just felt like the clock was ticking and it just freaked me out. And I also didn't really like the thought of somebody else raising my baby. And it just kind of made me sick to my stomach. I didn't even have a baby yet. I wasn't even pregnant. We hadn't even talked about it. But I just remember thinking, oh, like, so I'm going to have this baby, you know, and six weeks later, I'm going to have to go back to work and I'm going to have to work 40 to 50 hours a week. And like, you know, that, that, and then I also saw my life, you know, with my husband and how we already were arguing over housework. And I was like, okay, then what's going to happen when I have a full-time job and a baby? You know, I saw this just getting worse, right? Like I just started realizing all of these things. And um, so over time, you know, I, I learned more and more about biblical marital submission, actually reading the Bible, what, like what God, how God designed women and how women are very different or, you know, um, he designed us for different roles. And um, yeah, so ultimately, <laughs> you know, I, um, that's how like all of that got started. And it's, it's not just like, I went home one day and I was like, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. And he was like, okay, you know, like it was a very, and I'll probably talk about that more on Patreon, kind of how everything went down. But yeah, I did eventually um, quit my job and I dropped out of school, which I don't ever regret at all. Like I do, I do not regret it was the best decision that I ever made was dropping out of, finally putting the degree to rest. Like you know, I had just been in school for so long and I just thought, I thought it was going to make me happy. I thought, you know, school can be an excellent tool if you know exactly what you want to do. Um, but, or if you need a degree to do what you want to do, but I did not. And, you know, God is redemptive and I've learned some things from school, but man, nothing I am, I have never been so fulfilled and happy and just like I tell my husband this all the time like there is nothing I would rather be doing than what I do now as a mom and a wife and I'm so content I'm I'm just of course you know I have my days and there are things and of course but it's just like I don't think about that anymore I don't think like oh I wish you know like, oh, I should have finished my degree and I just want something more. And no, like this is the best. I'm just so happy. And I've never felt like, you know, I, I talk about with my husband and other people and, you know, I'm like, I always wanted to be, I always wanted to have a really big impact on people's lives. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, I don't care about the money. I just, I want to help people. And I always thought like, maybe I'll be a psychologist. Maybe I'll be a teacher. Maybe I'll be um, some kind of health, you know, influencer, professional type person. Like, you know, um, all, all of these things. 
And I get to be every single one of those for my own kids, right? Like I get to counsel my own children and train my own children and teach my own children. And um, I get to like nurse them back to health and uh, cook for them. And, you know, I get to be a chef for my family and for my uh, other people in my community. Like motherhood is so fun and fulfilling and it's just, it's had its bumps, of course, but it's just, and being a homemaker and it's also like a lifelong thing. Like that's what I love about Titus 2 and is like God, he gives you roles just throughout your life. Like I'm excited to start homeschooling my kids and, um, you know, just like, and then even when they are out on their own, like I hope that they live near me or something so that like I can help them through those phases of life. And when, when my kids are having their own children, like I, I'm so excited to, if they want me to like help them in that way and like, or maybe other women in my church, like young women that need help. Like I'm just so excited for this life and I'm forever grateful to God for giving it to me. He answered my prayers and more times a million. So anyway, that is kind of it. That's my story. And I'm really relieved to have finally shared it because I know I've talked about it for a long time. Um, but I hope you all enjoyed it. And I would love to hear your thoughts. Maybe you have a similar story. Maybe you have a completely different story. And like I said, I'm going to be talking sometime this week, probably I don't know. I might post today on Patreon and talk a little bit more about like my femininity and um, that because that's kind of a whole story in itself um, about like learning to embrace my femininity because we are in a very like pro, even though it's like everyone hates the straight white male, <laughs> you know, but like we we live in this culture of like being masculine and like femininity is seen as like weakness and, you know, um, all of those things. So you know, I'm just going to talk about how it's really, I've really changed and I really want to embrace my femininity and how it's like really helped my marriage and my friendships and, and, um, being a mother and being a homemaker. So I'll talk about all that on Patreon. I hope you all enjoyed this. I hope it wasn't too long. Um, yeah, but you'll have a great rest of your week.